I Could Murder a Podcast is proudly part of the ACAST Creator Network. For hundreds of extra minisodes and other content, along with our private Discord server and live Q&As, exclusive merch and much more, consider subscribing to icmap.co.uk. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Warning. The following episode contains subject matter and scenes that some viewers may find upsetting, disturbing, or unnerving. Please note, viewer discretion is advised at all times. Sit back and enjoy. And what's his name? Uh, Chris Benoit. Okay, and he's a, a wrestler? Yes, he's, what happened, he's a very religious gentleman, and yesterday he was supposed to show up at a pay-per-view and never got on the plane, never showed up. They've tried to reach his wife, Nancy. She doesn't answer. they tried to call his house. It's, unlo- it's, it's out of character for him. So at uh, 3 o'clock this morning, there was a message left for one of the other wrestlers, and basically it says, uh, uh, the dogs are in the backyard, the back door is open. Goodbye. There was no indication whatsoever that this man could possibly turn into this monster and do what he did. And Rude Wolfer gets the knees up right to the skull, the head of Red 
settle the mind of Chris Benoit. Um, once searching the house, they were able to locate three bodies inside of the home here. Those bodies were Mr. Benoit himself, his wife Nancy, and their son Daniel. Chris Benoit is the person I knew, loved him. Chris Benoit is a wrestler, loved him. Chris Benoit, the person who did what he did, unforgivable. Welcome back to I Could Murder a Podcast. It's episode number four. I'm Tom Norris and I'm joined by mm-hmm. coming in, weighing in at, I'm not sure, Ben Carter. Not too much. I'm not weighing in at too much. But I'd rather weigh a hefty amount on the basis of this episode. Wow. What an episode at that. What does that mean? But we'll carry on. If I was a wrestler, I'd want to weigh more, is what it meant. <laughs> I'd also want to be fitter because I'm struggling to breathe right now. <laughs> He's coming to the ring, weighing in at, I don't know, Ben the Kitten Carter. I'm going to scratch you. It's good to see you, man. Why did I roll with that? I should have just... Uh, um, yeah, what an episode this week. I'm excited. Yes. Uh, sent me down a bit of a nostalgia spiral this uh, this past few weeks we've been prepping for this case. Yeah, it's, it's one we both grew up as, as wrestling fans, so we were both very keen to cover this case. But before we start, if you haven't already, give us a little subscribe. Maybe hit that little no- notification bell because we're going to be doing weekly episodes for a very long time now. Well, 12 in total, and I can't figure out in my head how many that is left. But uh, it doesn't. Eight. It doesn't matter how many we got, uh, we, we got left. Wrestling fans will get that, and that's the point. We're a true crime show with a little bit of comedy. We're appreciative that comedy might be a stretch. Slight light entertainment um, as well. If you if you're sitting there going, oh, I've watched all the episodes, but I want more. Yeah. Why not go to our Patreon? Because there's there's so much more over there yeah yeah the lifeblood of the channel uh, you know why not make your way over there any support is massively appreciated we've got a whole host of episodes we may even have a few outtakes joking we never get anything wrong <laughs> we do we really do uh, oh it's true it's true that's another wrestling reference Kurt, I can't remember Kurt Angle and of course don't forget to follow us on all our socials at Could Murder a Pod that's our Twitter and our Instagram and we've also got a Facebook where we're putting some content up on there ask, ask us anything is up there only on there go over there and give it a like any follows are much appreciated mm-hmm. and uh, we also have a brand new shiny spanking merchandise store yes um, so why not treat yourself or a loved one or a stranger to uh, one of our lovely little merchandises so Ben what case are we covering this week? This week, it's the case of Chris Benoit and the Benoit family murders. So, if 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 you've if you stumbled upon if you if you, if you smell, um, <laughs> if you do, yeah, he was a stone cold guy. I was the Rock. That's why we're constantly at odds. Rikishi, Scotty Hoy. <laughs> Fucking what? hell! You like this? You like the stink face? Stink? Don't what? No, take, take that out, Tom. I don't know if Tom will. <laughs> we'll see, we have to see what he feels like when he's doing it. So, as Tom mentioned, we both grew up um, 
being uh, big wrestling fans. I mean, now the the interesting side of it is kind of the behind the curtains. What actually yeah. the politics and the um, well, we'll get onto this in a bit more detail shortly, I'm sure. But kind of the the actual behind the scenes, what was really going on behind the storylines. And that's a dark point to mention for today's case. But we were spoiled, of course, um, in our early childhood by the what's known as the Attitude Era, um, a five-year period wherein essentially, I don't know if wrestling has ever recovered from how, how popular it was then. You know, it, worldwide, it was giant. Uh, we were spoiled by stars such as Stone Cold, The Rock, The Undertaker, um, Mick Foley. Was it? The Big Show, and uh, there's, 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 there's a few of them. Yeah. I am struggling at four, but there were there were a lot. Triple H, yep, no. big one, another big one. Kane, um, Rikishi, um, and there was another individual on this roster at that time who was perhaps when we stopped watching, kind of just on his journey to the to the top, and uh, eventually he would make it to the top, and uh, and this is where uh, the the story takes a slight turn. But we're going to get into all of that. We're going to get into the early life. It's going to be. Um, it's going to be an interesting episode that I'm very excited to cover this case. So we wanted to start this week slightly different. And uh, for the non-wrestling uh, fans who have tuned in, this might also help spell out some of the some of the lingo we're going to be throwing around in this episode. So I've prepared a little pop quiz for Tom. Um, confident he's going to do well, but... Who knows? Who knows? I mean, we do share notes and share G Drive. Did I look at them? Who knows? So the first, what, what I'm going to do is, is list out a few terms, Tom, and I want your, you to explain to the uh, to the listener or to the viewer what they mean. Sure, I'll break it down. Number one, kayfabe. Kayfabe is basically, if you're a fan of wrestling, you don't want to see the two people that are enemies being all friendly outside of the ring. So they carry on the story in the real world. So people who believe in kayfabe, they believe in the story, yeah. essentially. So to break kayfabe is to break the illusion. Didn't the, the, the Iron Sheik and someone were caught driving together? Yeah, high and, on God knows what at the time. And, and that like that was reported in the paper, and then kayfabe was broken for a lot of people, and they, they kicked off. Notoriously as well, um, uh, kayfabe, Bret Hart was kayfabe screwed by Vince McMahon, um, and he then ended up going to all the news <laughs> reporters to say, you know, that was not part of the storyline, I was screwed. So he broke kayfabe. Um so yeah, kayfabe, one out of one, well done. Um, babyface. Babyface is someone in the company... You just don't know, no, no, what you do to me. God, that's haunting. It's kind of... Uh, baby cakes, yeah. Um, so babyface, Ben, is someone in, in, in the company who is who is essentially the good guy. He's the guy that's uh, usually an up-and-comer, um, and he's there to kind of... You know, um, fight the bad guys. Yeah. So the baby face is the the, the champion usually, um, someone that's popular, someone that's essentially over with what's going on and, and popular with the fans. What about a heel? The opposite of that. The bad guy. The bad guy. Say a little bad guy. Yep. Booker. Not T. Booker T. Booker is the guy who's who's essentially figuring out the shows, picking the matches, and kind of the storyline. Yeah, so the, the the different companies will have creative teams that, that do all the writing and storylines. We're not going to use the F word because we don't want to upset anyone, but essentially they script all of the uh, predetermined oh. elements of the show. Okay, promotion. 
A promotion is a thing like WWE is a promotion. And back in the day in America, there used to be every kind of state had their own promotions. But Vince McMahon would go on to buy all of them and make them for WWE, apart from a few. Um, So a promotion is essentially the the name of the company that put on the shows. Yeah, and back in the day, like um, late 80s, 70s, 60s, they were all operated out of different territories. Um, Vince McMahon famously went on to say that he bought out his competition. So it all became one, one entity. Okay, and then promo. Promos a thing to the camera. Um, I imagine you'd be very good at promos. I don't know. I don't think I would. Uh, Ric Flair, very good at them. The cut, yeah, to the camera, kind of hyping up the match, trying to sell tickets, get bums on seats, essentially. Yeah, to cut a promo on someone would be to call someone out or to set a scene. Yeah. Well, you can try one. I, try one. I got nervous just looking at the camera. So ben Carr, I'm going to be fighting you this week in Stevenage. You're a piece of trash. I'm going to step on your neck. Open up your brain, get all the dirty thoughts out. Exposure for what you really are. I'm not going to go into more detail than that because you'll get cancelled. Like that. So Tom just cut a promo on me. Notorious Noza, I heard what you said about me. I heard what you said about my sister. I heard what you did with my sister. And this Saturday night. And sister. this Saturday night. I've got a sister in. Oh. Don't break the kayfabe. Sorry. Oh, and it's gone. Sorry. So there you go. So yeah, um, six out of six. Thank you. Two more bonus ones for you. Okay. A pop. It's when the crowd go crazy for a certain thing Mm. they've planned in in the show. Absolutely. So to get a good pop would be to win over the crowd or get a massive cheer. Yeah. Massive reaction. And finally, a shoot. A shoot is when, it's usually um, retired wrestlers when they're kind of bitching about other wrestlers. Yeah, essentially if you're shooting on someone, you're, you're calling them out, you're calling them for truth, you're breaking kayfabe. Yeah. But also shoot if a match is going on and then suddenly someone starts to shoot, that means that they're fighting you for real and they're shooting oh. on you by physically being, you know, not wrestling a predetermined uh, match, but it becomes... You throw a few real blows. You potato someone, is what I've heard. I'll potato you in a minute. Mm. Everything you say sounds... Creepy. Okay. <clears throat> so, should we get into it? Please. So, Christopher Michael Benoit was born in Montreal, Canada on May the 21st, 1967. He was the son to Michael and Margaret Benoit. Um, and he also had an older sister. Laurie Benoit. Good name. Every time. Every time. Every time. You're going to struggle picking your child's name. I love everything. Because you're barren. Um... <laughs> Oh, I'm not kidding. I'm sure they, sure they're good. Swimmers. So Chris Benoit would have a relatively normal upbringing and childhood. He was very much into his sports. He had pl- he played American football. He played a defensive end. Doesn't mean anything to me. At 12 years old, he attended a local wrestling event, which he saw two performers very, who very much stood out, which was Tom the Dynamite Kid and Bret Hart, mm, and from the Hitman. The- and from this moment, he was obsessed with wrestling and he wanted, and he knew from the age of 12, that's the only thing he wanted to do. Yeah. And I mean, some people transition into the world of wrestling. So, uh, you know, nowadays WWE may hire people that have, have been in the acting world or the entertainment world or sports, you know, hire, you know, fo- uh, American footballers that transition to the world for, for Chris Benoit and everything we've looked at. All he wanted to do, there was no other job that he would take pay for. He wanted to be a wrestler and that was that. He lost his tooth when he was pretending to wrestle with his dog as a kid. And he decided to never get that tooth replaced because he's like, I would need it being wrestling. Oh, it'll just come out again. 
So he was like, I'm going to just keep that out. In high school, he won numerous awards for wrestling and bodybuilding and had an unwavering focus on becoming a world-class wrestler. Um, they say in a lot of documentaries, things you read about him, him growing up, at one stage in WWE, it was WWF back then, um, they were very much all about the tall, muscular kind of yeah. guys. And Chris Benoit was five foot ten, mm-hmm. so not tiny, but he was very aware that he he wasn't fit in the mould of what would be a classic like body form for a wrestler. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if you look at photos of him, I mean, even for a small guy, um, he is big all over. Stacked. Stacked, yeah. Stacked. Swole, I think they say, don't they, Dan? Yeah. As we mentioned, <clears throat> Benoit, one of his heroes was Brett, Brett the Hitman Hart, who would go on to train at the Hart family home yeah. with Stu Hart in the dungeon, which is a if you know anyone who's into wrestling would have heard of the, the dungeon um the Brett, the Hart family obviously had a lot of wrestlers within the yeah. family and they would train with Stu Hart who was an ex-wrestler in the dungeon and it was commonly heard of you'd hear lots of screams of pain as Stu would stretch you out basically doing submission moves on you which would genuinely really hurt yeah and they yeah. kind of um teaching the wrestlers you know Teaching the rest is all about that kind of style of wrestling. So there's an we talked about the uh, the shoot where Bret Hart was screwed, and um, there's a an excellent documentary called Wrestling with Shadows, and in that um, it's on YouTube. In that footage, you do see and Stu Hart at the time is like in his late sixties, early seventies, and he's got kind of big football players in their early twenties in these different holds, and you can just hear them absolutely screaming. He's like, "Well, I, well, I got." It, it is like I that. do it. Carry I can't. On. I can't because. The shock on your face. I should have used that for my promo voice. Tom Norris. No, you'd beat me in that fight. He would lose. My guy. Um, and the thing about the Stu Hart thing was he did not look like he was putting any effort in whatsoever. He just yeah. knew that the kind of buttons to push to really, really hurt you. Yeah. But I mean, it, it was any, it was a merit and it was a badge of honor for any wrestler to go to the Hart school. That was and, the place you wanted to learn. Exactly, yeah. And a lot of big wrestlers did go there and learn an awful lot. That was like... Getting into Hogwarts, I'd imagine. I don't watch Harry Potter, but I'd imagine... Why are you so defensive about Harry Potter? <laughs> you've, you've never watched Harry Potter? Not fully, not the whole way through. I'm more of a Lord of the Rings guy. You're, you're very awkward. Thank you very much. Awkward. Hawk. Not aw- Orcs. So, as Tom mentioned, he trained in Stu Hart's dungeon. And although he was, uh, you know, a slightly smaller guy, he was very stacked. He was very stocky. Um, In the ring, he was exceptional. Um, He could do the basics, the fundamentals, but he was technically very, very gifted. Um, So he began emulating both uh, the Dynamite Kid and Bret Hart. He cultivated a high-risk physical style um, as well as a very technical so he was able to put people into different submission holds but he was fundamentally a very gifted uh, technical wrestler yeah he made his in-ring debut in november 1985 where he participated in a tag team match and ended up winning after pinning one of the opponents down with a sunset flip sunset flip yes indeed and that was for stampede wrestling as well which was owned by Stu Hart. So he'd obviously been training in the dungeon with Stu and Stu saw something in him, gave him his debut with his own um, pop quiz promotion. I nearly forgot. So during his initial period at uh, Stu Hart Stampede, he ended up winning four British Commonwealth titles and four international tag team titles. In 1989, he bid goodbye to Stampede Wrestling and moved to Japan to join the new Japan Pro Wrestling. So Japan... um, Again, for non-wrestling fans, Japan's a huge wrestling scene over there. That was the place to go. It seems to be a lot of the big-time wrestlers went there and, and did their time over there, learned mm. 
from the, uh, learned from the kind of wrestling style. So um, the Japanese style was renowned for its, uh, well, the Japanese wrestling was renowned for its strong style, um, uh, often approach, uh, wherein the wrestlers would would hit each other for for real uh, on occasion to make it look even more uh, of a of a spectacle to the, to the crowd. Yeah, and over there it was very much yeah, it's more respected by the crowd. If you know someone was able to take these hits and keep fighting and keep going, it kind of added more to the drama over there. Um, over there, he was known as the Pegasus Kid. And mm. later on there, he would start wearing a mask. Throughout the early 90s, he established himself over there, winning the Best of Super Juniors tournament twice and securing a win in the Super J Cup tournament. So yeah, he, he went over there, he won. Again, it's, it's a sign of, obviously, they believed in him, they, they made him their boy, the baby yeah. face. They've got made him win all these titles. Um, so it's, it just shows he's gone on immediately to kind of impress wherever he's gone so yeah. far. And, and, and in adopting the mask and uh, a slightly different style, so he was a bit more of a high flyer um, wearing the mask. And Benoit said on numerous occasions he hated wearing the mask, but it eventually became a part of him. So at this stage, he's shown that he's a very good mat wrestler, technical wrestler, submission holder, high flyer. He, he's basically able to do everything and he's you know at this point attracted the interest from a a fairly big organization benoit was attracting uh, quite a lot of attention and at this point in 1992 the wcw or the world championship wrestling uh, uh, signed benoit and he was only with them for a year he would later return but during this time he made his debut teaming up with fellow canadian wrestler Biff Wellington, and we'll we'll have uh, we'll we'll mention his name later on in a little bit of trivia um, for the NWA World Tag Team Championship tournaments. However, they were defeated by Brian Brian Pillman and Jushin Funderliger at the first round. Biff Wellington is a terrible name for a wrestler, I have to say. So after a year with WCW, Benoit would return to Japan um, for a few months and then he was signed by Extreme Championship Wrestling, or um, more commonly known as ECW, run by Paul Heyman. Uh, so they were a much more um, kind of hardcore uh, um, kind of, uh, they, they referred to themselves while everything else was kind of rock and roll. They were grunge, um, <laughs> classically, as uh, Paul Heyman once described them. But they were very much, they would have, um, although they'd be known for their hardcore, lots of weapons, tables, ladders, chairs, um, they were also known to display very gifted wrestlers as well. So they would be, that would be the place to go before you make the jump to one of the big boys and you can really display your talents there. Yeah, ECW as well is kind of, they're just as well known for their fans as, as they were for the wrestlers. It was, very, it was, the shows were lots of energy, lots of kind of fan participation in a way and like, you yeah. know, their chants and everything like that. It, it was very much the kind of underground, the kind of cool, um, mm. the wrestling promotion to follow. Fiercely loyal fans as well. Yeah. Yeah. So during his time um, at a, at a pay per view event called November to Remember, Benoit accidentally broke a fellow wrestler's neck, and this was a wrestler called Sabu. And there is footage of this on YouTube. It is grim. So this is also from within the opening seconds of the match. So the match starts, everything looks normal, and even in the in initial period, when when you're watching this video, you're like, "When's it going to happen? When's it going to happen?" Sabu takes a heck of a beating from Benoit pre-neck break um the injury came when benoit threw sabu with the intention that he take a faced first pancake uh bump however uh, sabu attempted to turn mid-air and take the fall on his back instead um, however he wasn't angled to he wasn't able to achieve the full rotation and landed almost directly on his neck oh yeah i mean that's the thing we're wrestling selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. 
From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Even though people look at it and they think it's just fake, um, they are putting their bodies on the line. And, you know, people, lots and lots and lots of people have been, had terrible in- injuries as they've gone on. Um, many concussions, which is going to be very, very relevant to this case. Um, yeah. And lots of bumps to the body, which is going to either affect them immediately or later on in their life. And it's the only sport or entertainment wherein if someone breaks their neck, they're expected to continue. So uh, famously, Owen Hart broke Stone Cold Steve Austin's neck and Stone Cold Yeah, to... I think it's more of a, it's not like they're expected to. It's more of a case of they're in a situation where obviously the, with the kayfabe, the, the audience think they're acting. Mm-hmm. And even the other wrestler, you can't say, oh, mate, can you stop? You've actually properly hurt me. Yeah. So it's like you're in a situation where it's not really easy to communicate how you are. I know referees now make more of an effort to actually talk to them and double-check them throughout the, throughout the rest yeah. of the event. Um, but it's, it is a, it's a, it's a tricky one because, yeah, some, some wrestlers, they look at it as, you know, they have to continue no matter what. Yeah, the show must go on. Yeah. And famously, when Owen Hart um, tragically fell from the rafters, um, they made the decision. I mean, he died in the ring there and then, but they made the decision to get him out of the ring and continue with the show. After the match with Sabu, I mean, he was rushed off by uh, medical professionals, but Benoit was a wreck um, at the prospect of par- potentially paralyzing someone. However, Paul Heyman, uh, the ECW um, owner and booker, um, w- immediately came back to the locker room saying, you know, this is this is great. We've got an angle here. You're now going to be known as the Canadian Crippler. And, uh, and that was a name that initially Benoit wasn't very comfortable using. However, they turned it into a bit of an angle and a storyline. And um, he would eventually then shoot, um, well, well, cut prom- promos being proud to have, um, they kind of wrote it into the script, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, sure. That probably influenced the name of the, cr- the Crippler Crossface. He's um, finishing me off later on. So obviously, like we discussed, there's a lot of injuries in wrestling. And when you're fighting people, you really have to trust them. And a lot of times with that, you know, you trust someone you have these big battles with, you end up becoming very, very close friends. And that's exactly the case that happened with Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero, who met in, in Japan wrestling. They had some big bouts against one another. Yeah. They started off, they didn't really like each other. They kind of pissed each, each, yeah, piss each other off. Yeah. But then after a while, they kind of started respecting one another for their wrestling ability and, you know, just how far they would go with, with, with the fights. So... Yeah, they developed a big, strong bond and, you know, they were thick as thieves by the, um, you know, as as time would go on. Uh, Eddie Guerrero was one of the ones that, I mean, Benoit, looking back to it, I just, I, I never remember 
thinking that highly of him just because he didn't really have that much charisma at the time. So I, I couldn't appreciate the technical gift that I guess he had. Eddie Guerrero, on the other hand, was uh, eventually his angle was that he was someone that lied, cheated, and stealed. Um, so he provided a lot of like kind of, kind of comical elements, although he was a very, very gifted athlete. As yeah, because well. I, I watched it when I was watching it. I thought Eddie was more of a joke kind of character. I didn't, yeah. I didn't think of him as a, as a particularly good wrestler. Whereas yeah. Benoit, I thought it had more mystery to him and you could see by his wrestling style he was a bit different and watching back as well um, in researching for this their early matches in Japan and stuff they were properly going at each other like really slamming each other into the ground it was it was brutal looking back because I don't remember it looking that real so following on from the incident with Sabu, he's garnered a lot of heat in ECW. He, you know, his his storyline that they followed through with has really like got people um, interested in him as a character. And WCW decided they wanted to get him back wrestling with them again. And they wanted to kind of utilize the kind of uh, momentum behind him. Definitely. And I think it was possibly influenced by Ric Flair to get this guy in because they were looking for a fourth member to join the Four Horsemen and uh, Rick Flair single-handedly picked out or had identified uh, Benoit as the guy he wanted there. So he comes back to the WCW down in Florida and uh, and then again well, his career kicks up uh, kicks up a gear. Definitely, yeah. So in wrestling there's a lot of creatives and a lot of wrestlers actually end up getting involved with the creative, coming up with the ideas and there was a wrestler at WCW called Kevin Sullivan mm-hmm. um, who was known as kind of being a bit Demony. Yeah, he had a cult leader kind of character. Kevin Sullivan had a, uh, a valet or a kind of manager, essentially someone who doesn't wrestle, but they're with you all the time. They do promos with you and whatnot. And her character was called Woman. Yeah. And this was uh, at the time Nancy Sullivan, though she would, uh, spoiler alert, go on to become Nancy Benoit. And this is a very interesting dynamic. And this is kind of the fascinating side that we mentioned where the behind the curtain and, uh, and, um, outside of kayfabe um kevin sullivan essentially scripted his own divorce yes there's sometimes in this stuff there's there's a blurring of between kayfabe and real life and uh kevin sullivan was like i think it'd be an interesting angle for women to get close to you know to leave me in in the storyline go with chris yeah they did a lot of promos together where they were hugging yeah betray me hugging and you know being very close and the angle was kevin wanted to win her back uh, but actually what was going on behind the scenes was they uh, spent a lot of time together, Nancy and Chris, and they essentially were, would end up together. So Chris was actually married as well at the time, um, and, he, and he had two kids at the time as well, but that didn't stop them. They were very much drawn to one another. Um, apparently, like, you know, you could, see it, you could see it with them, you could see the chemistry with them on camera, and yeah. it was very much real. And because they didn't want to break kayfabe, they obviously had to spend all of their time outside of wrestling together as well, so that, you know, as Tom said, they were going for, for dinners together, they were staying in the same hotels together. Um, they very famously shot, like, a number of vignettes where Benoit was... And again, he, it's it's this is the part I remember why I wasn't the biggest fan of him, though he was gifted, is just the, his acting or the charisma side just wasn't there. But there is a shot of him like drinking a glass of red wine with Nancy in his arm going, you don't know what you've got until it's gone and it's super fine or something like that. Whilst portraying these characters, uh, it, it etched into their um, their real lives and they fell in love and Nancy decided to leave... Um, Sullivan for real. Yeah, I mean Sullivan wasn't the best partner. There was there was talk of a abuse, a physical abuse, getting very angry and, and lashing out at Nancy. Sandy, um, Nancy's sister, says a story where um, 
Kevin Sullivan has been, you know, been violent and then she's left and gone to Chris. And, uh, you know, he's, Chris has kind of been portrayed as the saviour here, yeah, as, as the, the safe space. to cry on and, and yeah, the, the trustworthy individual, which at the time, obviously, she had no reason to believe that it was anything but that. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. They continue with this angle, despite Nancy then leaving um, Sullivan for Benoit. And uh, there's a, a match at, Bash at WCW Bash at the Beach, where it sort of turns into a shoot fight and um, Benoit allegedly punched Sullivan so hard in the ear that he shattered his eardrum. Yeah, you can see yeah, there's footage of it. They've actually properly thrown fists at one another. Um, you, can, you can imagine, like, no matter how professional you are, with that kind of thing's going on behind behind the scenes, mm-hmm. it, you're going to maybe, you know, leave a fist in or whatever. It's, it's, yeah, it, it gets, gets very violent indeed. Um but all of this would just help grow Chris Benoit as a character. And, you know, um, the momentum behind him was increasing even more. There's more heat behind him. He was winning WCW titles. He was being put as one of the main guys. And as we said before, um, he's only in that terms, five foot ten, a small guy. But they were happy to push him because of how technically gifted he was. Yeah. All the wrestlers, you know, they loved working with him. There's, there's story, a story Chris, Chris Jericho, another wrestler, says with, with Chris, he was such a professional. If he would m- mess anything up slightly, yeah. he would punish himself. He, Chris went backstage one time when Chris slightly did a kick wrong in the, in the match and he found um, Chris Benoit doing squats and he had to do, I think it was 200 squats. Because he missed, uh, he was in the wrong space to take a kick from Jericho. Yes, yeah, so he had to punish himself. Still a five-star match, but to him, that then becomes like a one-and-a-half-star match. Exactly, so 200 squats to punish himself, had to learn from it. And it's that kind of professionalism which kind of really um, pushed him forward. Yeah, the radicals. So there was, this was Dean Malenko, Perry Saturn, Eddie Guerrero, and Chris Benoit. And as they are kind of um, looking, uh, looking of uh, which option to take, the WWF at the time um, approached them, and it's an opportunity too big for them to turn turn down. So he joins WWE in in the year two thousand, which is fifteen years into his wrestling career. Which mm-hmm. that's a even that itself is is a long is a, is a long career. Yeah, and you think he's he's been in things like ECW, very much known for the hard and hardcore style. He's going to Japan, which is known for their their um, strong style again, which is essentially punching people for real. One of his finishing moves being the flying headbutt, which yeah. uh, the, he basically jumps off the the turnbuckle and head first, essentially. Yeah. Um, if think, there's one way to kind of steadily damage your brain <laughs> that would be it I mean yeah, that, that, the, you know when you do that thing where you even if you try and like stand on the side of a pool don't use your hands fall yeah. in without kind of protecting your face Bracing. that's scary yeah jumping off a turnbuckle or or even a cage or whatever doing that move would be terrifying sitting down on a couch without first placing your hand on the cushion There's a bit of a curse of the flying headbutt. It was invented by Harley Race and he warned everybody not to do it. It ruins your spine and old age because it's just such a kind of um, an impact on the body. Then the dynamite kid would hear that and go, I'm going to do it anyway. So he he, he started doing it and he ends up in a wheelchair. Uh, The dynamite kid was from Liverpool. Scouse wrestler. Yes. And he... um, Wrestler. Wrestler. Play football. Wrestler. That's Irish. I want to play football. So Dynamite Kid, he also has a very turbulent kind of history of, of, of uh, abuse in the, uh, with his partner and whatnot. Um, but yeah, he, he, there's a documentary about him. It's very... Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so Dynamite Kid would also say, not to kind of follow on with, with, that, with that wrestling move, but Chris Benoit, he would then take on that mantle of doing that as a finisher. And, well, we all know what happened with Chris Benoit. It seems to be a, a, kind of a curse of the flying headbutt. Yeah, and obviously Benoit was heavily inspired by the Dynamite Kid, really looked up to him and Bret Hart. 
Um, and yeah, the the similarities there in the aftermath of wrestling. Um, well, Re- Benoit was still wrestling at the time. It's... And yeah, the other thing as well is is uh, people again. People, a lot of people, I'm sure, watching this won't like wrestling, which is absolutely fine. But if you watch it and you think, oh, the, the hitting on the head of the chair, oh, it's a fake chair. It's just a chair. It's, right. it's made out of it's made out of felt. No, it's actually a real steel chair, and the blood is real. Those those hits in the yeah. head, again, it was a sign of can, if you can take a bump, can you take that hit in your head and can you yeah. keep a wrestling? That's a sign of um, you know. I mean, even the ring itself, it's it's like minimal, minimal padding. It's like put a couple of these on there and then taking a couple, a couple of those listeners, a couple of Ben shirts, Ben's flannel shirt, George. Um, so yeah they are real bumps the the, the only thing about wrestling is is there's a predetermined result in the match but you are going to end up getting hurt in the match after every match you're more than likely be quite stiff and in pain so getting hit on these heads with these chairs year after year night after night yeah night after night yeah because that's the thing about the the wrestling um, work schedule yeah it's literally day after day isn't it the lifestyle of a professional wrestler or even an amateur one that that does it enough it is brutal they're working like 300 days a year often in you know prolonged period of times where they get no day off sometimes a multiple events in a day putting their body through absolute because a lot of people will think oh well the smackdown or the the two you know the main ones smackdown or raw that's once a week so they only do two days no throughout that they're doing live events the whole country they're doing live events Vince McMahon's getting absolute you know most he can out of these people and they're trying to keep their bodies going so you hear this whole thing of roid rage whereas actually the steroids weren't taken to enhance their muscles although in some cases yes but mostly it was to repair yeah. injuries and it's, yeah pain pills would be taken and you know there's a very much culture of, of kind of self-medicating as well to yeah. deal with this but well, it, Mickey Rock's um, Mickey Rock Mickey Rock's the wrestler that's what I'd say you watch but it is actually that's a real insight and an eye-opening insight to the life of a professional uh, wrestler it is yes so um because at first you want to think it's quite a glamorous lifestyle, but it is a lot, yeah. a lot of work that and goes a, into it. Unless you're at the very, very top, like your Stone Colds and your Rocks, in the mid card, there's hundreds of other guys vying for that spot. And if you're injured, there was no health um, care, okay, whatever yeah. they had. So if they're injured, you're expected to either fight injured or not get paid. And if there's hundreds of guys trying to vie for your spot, obviously you you work injured. If you've got families to feed and bills to pay. Unless you're in that upper, upper um, echelon. Good word. Thank you. Dan? Yeah, pretty good. Then, uh, yeah, you're working every every day of the year. But apparently as well, Benoit absolutely loved that about it. He loved doing he, what he did. Yeah, he, 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 that's all he ever wanted to do. It's the only job he ever had. It was being a wrestler. And he would um, very much be, he'd find it hard being away from his kids, but he thought that's what he had to do to maintain. Um, so the year 2000 when he joined WWF was actually a big year for him in other terms. He, uh, Nancy gave birth to Benoit's son, um, Daniel, and the couple got married in 2000 as well. And Daniel, I believe, although he was only one or two at the time, was the best man. Yes. Imagine that speech. Well, after years of obviously climbing the ladder and constantly people saying you're not big enough, you're not exciting enough, there's no charisma, that was mainly just me, um, Benoit actually finally makes it to the top of the ladder. And at WrestleMania 20, uh, Benoit triumphs against all odds by beating uh, Triple H and Shawn Michaels in a triple threat match. And, And these are both also wrestlers that have very much paid their dues. 
And there's a very famous scene wherein Eddie Guerrero was a champion at the time. Chris Benoit is now a world heavyweight champion as well. They've both got the two top belts in the company. They close the show out together. Confetti's falling from the roof and, and Eddie Guerrero just comes out and they, they embrace. Because Eddie Guerrero, he won the title that night as well. Yeah, they both had basically overcome all the odds. They both got completely over with the fans. The fans were, it was almost as if any scripted element was out of the window at this point and the fans were just appreciating them for for what they'd achieved and what they were. So both Eddie and Chris are, you know, uh, at the at the top of their game. Uh, life is good. And unfortunately, it wouldn't last for too long. No, I mean, a lot of the times, like we said before, um, self-medicating, Eddie Guerrero had his own demons. Um, he was very much self-medicating himself. He had overdosed a, a few times before. Um, he got, he went back, he went and got treatment and then he came back, um, came back to wrestling. So, um, Eddie Chavo and Chris uh, all check into the same hotel. They're obviously on the road at this point and they're preparing for a, a, an event the following day. Um, they decide to head to their separate rooms uh, and they all say goodnight to each other. So Chavo Guerrero, the nephew of Eddie, uh, was first to wake up the following morning. They were all going to go to the gym together extra early before an event. Um, Chavo gets a call from the front desk to say that uh, his uncle Eddie is not um, not answering his morning wake up call. Um, they go to knock on the door. There's no answer, so they uh, they cut the chain lock. They find Eddie with his toothbrush face down in the uh, hotel bathroom. Um, Chavo tries to revive his uncle and the team that that, that arrived. Try to revive him. Uh, unfortunately, he's he's uh, after a period of time just gurgling and eventually unresponsive, and he. Um, had uh, had died of a uh, heart. That's fucking hard to say. And he had um, and he had passed away um, as a result of a heart attack. Yeah, and that really hit the um, the whole company. That well, the world. It, um, I remember seeing the tribute show for Eddie, and it's and uh, it's yeah, it's hard. He was such a popular guy. He was over with the fans, over with the uh, the locker room. Um, and he just, his body had, you know, the shelf life on these guys, when they are putting their bodies through that and the, the relentless touring, the relentless events, it's... It's that and it's the cocktail of drugs that they've been taking yeah. as well. I mean, that's, yeah. the, that's the thing. It's like, as we said, they're, they're going to be suffering from a lot of pain, a lot of different injuries, and it is a cocktail of drugs they're taking. Um, sometimes, you know, it's mixed with booze as well and recreational yeah. drugs. Yeah. And um, Eddie, sadly, you know, he, he his body wasn't able to keep up with it. Yeah. Um, an, but, an enlarged heart, I think it was. Yes, yes. Yeah. And like the, the thing about these tributes is, that, you know, you see these big, scary wrestlers and they're all in tears. Yeah. And it just shows how much they, that Eddie meant to them. Yeah. Um, and, it, if, and it hit the hardest, easily hit the hardest, it hit Benoit. Yeah. Um, he was absolutely in bits. So we talk, you talked about, obviously, the the wrestlers that you trust and the wrestlers that you build these friendships with. There was a, a I'd never seen a friendship like with Benoit and Eddie. They were essentially, and, and Benoit apparently was just very much kept himself to himself, didn't open up to anyone. But with Eddie, for whatever reason, going back to Japan and ECW and uh, WCW and now the WWE together, they were like, brothers they were and Benoit in that video when he's and he says something along the lines of you know I love you Eddie and I'll see you soon yeah but I mean, he is a wreck yeah I mean Eddie had such an influence on Chris as well he because Chris wasn't religious Eddie was very religious he'd be he'd be known to say scripture to wrestlers in the dressing room and Eddie Eddie gave Chris a bible which which Chris would take with him um after Eddie's death Chris Chris started writing in a diary addressed to Eddie believing he was actually communicating directly with him 
that could just be a case of that's a coping mechanism when you know people deal with grief in different kinds of ways mm-hmm. that could also be a sign that maybe this uh, Chris's sense of reality has slightly shifted a little bit here um, yeah and he's you know his behavior has has changed slightly and during this time as well um, Chris was actually having quite a lot of difficulty with Nancy yeah. uh, be lots of arguments and Nancy she, you know she was a she was um, from the wrestling world herself she's a very strong woman she wouldn't take any shit and she would like you know give as much good as she got she wouldn't just yeah. lay down to Benoit she was very kind of if he was being out of order she would she would tell him um, and there's even a time apparently when they were driving along then an argument and Benoit were going to smash the windscreen with his bare fists just kind of that's just sort of the rage he had within him and yeah. that's a scary thing because he was a very very strong guy and um, yeah he, had, he obviously had a temper um, the marriage is now also on the rocks Chris throws himself back into work immediately, you know, uh, going on different tours and uh, going to different countries and performing. Um, but yeah, again, he just, his, his marriage is falling apart and his world, now that Eddie's not in it, is, is also falling apart. Yeah, and he did love being a father. He loved Daniel to bits. And there's also footage of Daniel and David. David from, um, is Chris's son from a previous marriage. They, they were thick as thieves as well. They, they wanted to be the, the tag team champions. And like, it's, it's like a lovely family scene when you see them all together. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, when when Chris was home, he was very you know, very good with the kids. But yeah, there was a lot of kind of animosity and arguments happening between him and Nancy. So as we said, Chris and Nancy were arguing an awful lot. Um, and one time, Sandra received a call from Nancy, um, saying that she needed to come to the house quickly, which which she did. And also Mike Durham, who's another wrestler called Johnny Grunge, who lived in the local area, he was also called to come to the house. Uh, Mike would say he would go and restrain Chris to kind of you know keep him away from Nancy, but. Sadly, by this stage, though, um, Chris had already lashed out at Nancy. Um, Mike would then take take Chris away to a local hotel. Sandy would stay with with, with Nancy at the at the family home. Um, she would go on to to apply for a restraining order against Chris. Just that just shows how badly you know this relationship has got got restraining order against against him. But then Chris would keep ringing Sandra, keep ringing her, saying, "You know, I'm really sorry. Let me talk to her. Let me talk to her." Eventually, Sandra gave the phone to Nancy. She spoke to Chris for a little bit, and then the next day, Chris returned to the family home. They were they were talking and they were basically back together once again. Mm-hmm. And this is something that Sandra's looked back on and she feels guilty for. But you know you can't talk yeah, well, blame yourself. Yeah, who yeah. could predict what's what's to come? What's yeah, what's to come. Yeah, and talk about what's to come. I think selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. 
it's time for us to, to jump into the uh, timeline. So on Tuesday the 19th of June 2007, Chris Benoit would wrestle his last ever match and he defeats Elijah Burke, another WWE superstar. Now the thing that's quite poignant about this match is you will also see Chris's last ever diving headbutt. And Elijah Burke, the guy he's fighting, attempts to reverse the move by raising his knees and Chris goes face first from the top turnbuckle into the knees. It's a pretty graphic thing to see. So Friday the 22nd of June 2007, reports on Saturday claimed Benoit rushed home on Friday due to a family emergency. Benoit did not go on to wrestle the shows he was scheduled to wrestle. On Saturday the 23rd of June 2007, um, it was reported that Benoit did not work the Vengeance pay-per-view and was replaced by Johnny Nitro. On Saturday the 23rd of June 2007 at 3.30pm, fellow wrestler Chavo Guerrero received a voicemail message from Benoit's phone stating that he overslept and he missed his flight and would be late for that night's house show in Beaumont, Texas. Guerrero called Benoit back and Benoit sounded tired and groggy as he confirmed everything that he said in his voice message. Guerrero was concerned about Benoit's tone and demeanour, called him back 12 minutes later and Benoit did not answer the call. Guerrero left the message and asking Benoit to call him back. <clears throat> so Benoit would later call Guerrero back stating he did not answer the call because Nancy and his son Daniel had food poisoning and he was tending to them. Um, he had also been on the phone with Delta Airlines to change his flight so that he could get back to work. So yeah, he said they got food poisoning, but he's also said now that they're, they're vomiting blood. So it's kind yeah. of, I've never heard of food poisoning doing that to someone. Yeah. So Sunday the 24th of June 2007, five text messages were sent to co-workers between 3.51am and 3.58am using both Chris's phone and Nancy's phone. So four of these were um, basically stating his address and letting them know the locations of where his dogs are at the address, which if you just randomly receive that message... At like 4am as well. Yeah, it? I mean, yeah, even if you just sent it just during the day, that's an odd message to receive from someone. This is my house address and my dogs are, are kept at this stage, this part of the house. Yeah. And he said my physical address as well, which I think, or from what I looked at, um, because he was quite he was quite a paranoid guy um, mm. towards the later part of his life, and he would basically only ever give out PO box numbers where he would collect things from. He would never give out his physical address. So obviously that's yeah. also a yeah. Know, toward the end of his end of his life he was thinking he was getting followed by people and yeah. things like that so yeah that's that's very true and so he, he sent these messages out to people and immediately when you when you receive that especially at that time that's alarm bells are ringing yeah you're, you're contacting people who are, who are closer or the police to go and go and check on him yeah and to go back to the calls with chavo guerrero as well obviously he's just informed him they've got food poisoning i'm changing my flights and then apparently which is just completely out of character for for chris he goes chavo i love you and Chavo was kind of taken back by that. So he said, yeah, 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 I love you too, man. See you later. Yeah. Um, but it was, yeah, quite a poignant moment. So on Monday, the 25th of June, um, it's brought to the attention of the WWE, the uh, text messages that went to Chavo and a number of other wrestlers. Um, so they uh, decide that the, the best thing to do is to send a well. Of course, you know, seeing those text messages, the, the first thing they want to do is send a welfare check to the Benoit house. And, um, and and there is some audio of this call being made. Um, they describe Benoit. He looks like your typical wrestler, big neck. Um, and police are sent to perform a well check, a welfare check at the address. So the police arrive at the Benoit household and they immediately announce it a major crime scene. They found the body of Nancy Benoit as well as Daniel Benoit. And then finally they found Chris's body. There was no evidence of any intruders. Um, it's immediately cordoned off and an investigation is launched. Yeah, I mean, immediately the police, when they did find the bodies, each body had a Bible beside them and it looked very much, you know, like it's 
not a planned attack, but it seemed to be very kind of thought out how everything was placed um, as evidence of alcohol being drunk, lots of alcohol being drunk. With the police sharing uh, this information with the WWE, they uh, they decide to cancel what was a scheduled uh, typical Monday Night Raw and instead air a tribute show to Benoit. So the WWE would come under a lot of scrutiny for this. Um, so it was alleged that they were informed of the high possibility it was a double murder suicide on behalf of Benoit. However, they still decide, I think, a half an hour or an hour before the show goes ahead to proceed with the tribute show for Chris. I mean, obviously, I mean, as well as it's a three-hour show, so they, they've turned that into a tribute show, and they yeah, got wrestlers, you know, talking to camera, crying, saying how much you know they love Chris, and you know they're, mm-hmm. they're so sorry. But I can't. I'm, I feel a bit conflicted here because I, I don't feel like I feel like they mustn't have known. I know, I know it's been alluded that because no one's going to the press for that would have been. Yeah, well, that's where most of the allegations have come from. They uh, allege that the Vince. And, and the WWE were made aware maybe half an hour, 45 minutes before the scheduled tribute show. And all that was, was essentially they had a Chris Benoit career DVD from a couple years ago that they ran. Mm. And then they intertwined that with like, you know, wrestlers. Yeah, I mean, a lot of some wrestlers, some wrestlers have refused to be on it, even though they, they looked up to Chris because they yeah. wanted to know it until they knew more about the situation. Chris Jericho was one of those people. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, it, 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 I can completely understand why why they've uh, become under fire for that. If they if they were told that, then yeah, that is absolutely yeah. baffling. I mean, as well with those shows, it's a, it's a huge stadium because it starts with Vince in the middle of the, middle of the ring, the yeah. complete empty audience, which is immediately quite striking. Yeah. Um, but that's a huge event which they've cancelled, and you know that's would in itself take a lot of. Well, yeah, and another thing that they cancelled is Vince McMahon, the character was currently had just been written off TV, yeah. like in, a, in an explosion in his limo. So fans yeah. were very confused to see him back in the in the ring. Yeah, yeah, this is it's such a moment. Yeah, because yeah, it, Vince completely they completely get rid of that storyline. Yeah. Vince, um, they never even reference that storyline ever again. It's completely wiped out. The tribute show uh, uh, airs on Monday, the twenty fifth of June, uh, and it's called "Remembering Chris Benoit," where they they run highlights of his career, um, and and wrestlers leave you know kind of their testimonies on him. Now, one that was really interesting and poignant, and this is kind of what is making me think that some of them did know is William Regal he says I won't say anything about the man but he was a damn good wrestler yeah I think well, William Regal he's one of the people that received text messages from Chris and I think you know they all knew that the the relationship with Nancy was quite volatile at times um, so he might have just been because he seems quite savvy Regal he might have just been able to put two and two together because again I don't think I think if you know that he's gone and done this you're not going to go on camera yeah, and saying yeah, like you wouldn't, you just say no, I'm not going to do it. So, I, yeah, yeah, we're we're going to go into go into now actually what happened on yeah. on those nights, um, and be, go in a bit more detail about actually you know the crime scene. Because what I think was also quite interesting about this tribute show is towards the end of it, you mentioned it was a three hour show, news was starting to break that it was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a double murder homicide. So very conflicting uh, for the WWE. And again, it, de- it depends which side you believe on, on that. Okay, so yeah, we're going to go back in the timeline now and actually talk about what, the events that happened on those nights. So Friday the 22nd of June 2007, the autopsies actually revealed that Nancy Bermois died this night at an undisclosed time by strangulation. She was found wrapped in a towel with her lim- limbs bound with a Bible beside her. The injuries indicate that Benoit pressed his knee into her back while pulling on a cord around her neck. Blood was found under her head, suggesting that she attempted to fend him off. However, official signs saw no sign of immediate struggle. 
And also it was reported that he actually broke her back with his knee and he, you know, he's a very strong, powerful man. Yeah. Strangling, he's put so much force into that that he actually broke her back with his knee as well, which That's just insane. Yeah, and, and she at to a point had been fighting back as well with the yeah, yeah. I mean, this was fight flight, I, I imagine, but yeah, that's yeah, it just shows how powerful and like how much aggression he was showing there on the well, the following day. So, bear in mind, Nancy had already been murdered. Um, Chris's young son Daniel Benoit was suffocated in his bedroom by his father um, the exact time is unknown however it is known that Daniel was sedated with Xanax and was most likely unconscious at the time uh, he was killed so if there's one small positive to take it's that he didn't know it was happening um, Daniel had internal injuries to his throat area showing no bruises a copy of a, of a bible was left by his body the medical examiner also found old needle marks in the arm of Daniel Benoit, which could have been from HGH, which is human growth hormone, um, shots that he was likely given when he was younger. At the time, it was a very small seven-year-old child, um, so he had been given some hormone boosters to um, apparently enhance his size. Um, but again, really interesting part about that is that um, there were no kind of physical bruises, so he'd, he'd obviously, with completely the opposite to Nancy he tried to do this in as delicate and um, yeah he, did, he, did, he didn't want it sounds, it sounds strange to say he wanted to kill him but he didn't want to hurt him yeah whereas Nancy I think it was both he's obviously left the bible by the, both of the bodies but there's also other religious elements to these murders um, Chris wrote a suicide note and placed it inside a bible and also he had two internet searches which, which are quite haunting um, on the final morning there was a bible passage about a young boy being resurrected that in itself kind of confuses me because if, is that a case Thinking of about the afterlife well his resurrection is bringing him back to life isn't it so is it a case if he's done this in, a, in, in you know full of rage and then he's realised what he's done and he wants to bring Daniel back. Is that is that why he's googling it? Because I mean, it seems seems quite odd that he's that's you know you've just committed the murder, and then you googling resurrection. Well, at the time, um, they would note that Benoit had four times the normal amount of testosterone in his system. So he's clearly, you know, maybe provoked, or maybe an argument has happened with Nancy. Maybe it was a sudden thing. Maybe it wasn't as pre-planned. Although. His, it's all conjecture at this point because only the, the only people that will know what happened are no longer with us. Yeah. Um, so he's either pre-planned all of this and premeditated all of this or it's spiralled out of control and all of a sudden been prompted. It's interesting when you see other wrestlers' interviews about this case and about Chris Benoit. A lot of people just kind of saying, you know, how much, how much they respected him as a wrestler and how, you know, he was... Pure gentleman. He loved. He loved their family. He's loved his family so much. Um, a wrestler Stevie Ray said, "If I lined up a hundred wrestlers who would do something this heinous, he wouldn't make the list." Um, Axel Rot, Axel Rotten, another wrestler theorized that maybe Nancy may have hurt Daniel, and then Chris came home and he saw what she'd done, and then he he lashed out, which is just like victim blaming in, in my mind. It's like they just don't want to believe that Chris could go on and do this kind of thing and like we said over time Chris is self-medicated he's also been you know numerous concussions which yeah. is a really big factor on this Chris Nowinski who who um, he's, he's a doctor he gets very involved after the case he says if you're hit in the head thousands of times your brain can essentially start to rot and change who you are yeah. and Chris Benoit speaking to him once said um, asked, asked him how many concussions he had and he said six and then Benoit said I've had more concussions than I could count yeah. So it's just it's it's such a big factor in this case yeah. is the fact that yes Chris Chris Benoit is a person 
20, 30 years ago, that is not his character. That's not, yeah. this is not within him. But as time developed with more concussions, his brain shifted and him as a person yeah. shifted. And, and as well, the pain management, um, apparently he'd in, you know, the final months definitely, um, increased the level of alcohol he would, uh, he would indulge in as well. And obviously the amount found, there was an empty bottle of wine found next to Benoit, as well as 10 empty beer cans, um, so another search found on the computer of Chris Benoit was the, the quickest and most painless way to break your own neck, um, which seems quite... It's, it's such a... Phys- it's hideous, given what he did to Nancy. Yeah. It's yeah. as if he deserves... Him and his son deserve the most painless possible way, but Nancy... Yeah, and the, what basically discovered was, essentially, if you're going to... If, you, if your neck out of nowhere experienced a heavy weight on it, it could break. It could break easily, and then it would lead to death. As a wrestler, Chris had a, has had a gym in his house, and he used a weight machine, the the pull down, to um, create a noose around the end. We're using the cord, put a towel around it, put it to, to the heaviest weight. I think it was two hundred, and then essentially take the pin out, and then the weight itself just yeah, it, it hanged him. And I hate to go back to the size of Chris's neck, but they would multiple uh, police would state that the amount of weight he had ready to drop would have literally pulled the head off of a normal yeah. a normal man. Yeah, and when the police went into the house and they walked, walked into the gym, it was a, quite like a gym would be, lots of mirrors, and they thought, because the way he was, it was, his body was positioned, it looked like as if he was standing there. They told him to kind of freeze and to put his hands up, but then they realised that he had, he had passed on. The, the thing I found quite haunting about all of this is, is, is the span, the time span. Yeah, so Friday Nancy, Saturday Daniel, Sunday himself. Yeah, so it just it's not... The, the argument of the sense of rage and the sense of like blind rage mm-hmm. that doesn't spread over three days yeah and I think on the the Friday shortly bef- a couple of hours before Nancy he'd gone to his doctor's office to get um, certain medications I think some of it was the Xanax actually and he actually posed for a fan and he looked and he's smiling in the photo he's absolutely well he, you know, he apparently he was he was still kind of wrestling in his head with the idea of going to that pay-per-view because yeah. he said that said that these, they're ill, and don't worry about them, you know. Um, and he was still kind of thinking about possibly going to that. He, as we said before, he didn't want to let people down about these kind of things. Wrestling was very much his life, and um, yeah. So once these this stuff would all emerge, you know, it's debatable whether this emerged to WWE pre that show. Yeah. I, I still find that very hard to believe um, that they would know about that. But they, I, I think, the only thing they're guilty of is acting rashly and doing it without waiting for all the facts. Yeah. Um, but then when this would, you know, properly emerge, and you know, all the press were getting hold of this story, mm. the WWE had to act fast. But there's also the argument to be made that if they did know um, what was going to come out news-wise, you know, perhaps to capitalise on the on the viewings and the ratings. Yeah, I just think it's not. But long term, like that's a very short term because there's you know there's going to be. Morally, someone who's killed their family, mm. it's just like, that separates... Yeah, that's true, that's true, but they're just saying it's been argued um, that they did know about it. I, I'm the same as you. So Vince McMahon would go on to make an announcement saying, with the news following, they made a grave mistake in terms of what they did for the show, and how Chris Benoit was going to be wiped from all history of WWE. 
Yes. So Vince would go on to say, Last night on Monday Night Raw, the WWE presented a special tribute show recognizing the career of Chris Benoit. However, now some 26 hours later, the facts of this horrific tragedy are now apparent. Therefore, other than my comments, there will be no mention of Mr. Benoit tonight. On the contrary, tonight's show will be dedicated to everyone who has been affected by this terrible incident. This evening marks the first step of the healing process. Tonight, the WWE performers will do what they do better than anyone else in the world, entertain you. So following that, they were very strict on you know the rules of any mentions of Chris. Eddie signs in the crowd saying, rest in peace. And future Hall of Fame, Eddie and Chris, written on signs, they were all taken away. And uh, yeah, from the WWE Network now, which is an online thing, there's no mention of Chris whatsoever. Yeah. They're very careful to completely wipe him out of, out of history. Interesting watching one of the interviews where they essentially say the love of Chris's life was wrestling. And he said, or he, he said to other people before, no matter what they do to you, or you can you can leave a legacy, you can leave your mark. And following on from his actions, the thing that probably hurt him the most is, is that he's lost respect from all his peers and he's, his history has been completely erased from the thing he loves so much. At the, ti- at the time, uh, the, you know, the WWE did everything they could to put immediate distance between yeah. themselves and him. So Vince, on the Thursday, the 28th of June, Vince McMahon would appear on the Today Show with Meredith Vieira. There was no indication whatsoever that this man could possibly turn into this monster and do what he did. And again, we want to know the answers just like everyone else. Steroids may or may not had something to do with this. Other prescription drugs, other pressures in, in terms of his, uh, his son uh, and, and his wife. I, I don't know. And some of this perhaps we'll never know. But hopefully we can put it to bed as best we possibly can and determine once we have real evidence in terms of the uh, toxicology report. In the closing moments, Vince said that the company is not trying to hide the fact that Benoit was part of their organization because, in his words, unfortunately, he was. He added it was time to find a way to move on in the best way possible for the company and for its fans. So the media was, I remember, I remember this as being a very big factor. What people said that what this was, it's the first time I think I ever heard it. The term roid rage was thrown about. Obviously, Chris being a very muscular, muscular guy, people thought he, he was, he was abusing steroids. And they were saying that's the immediate thing. That's what's happened. He's taken these steroids and this caused roid rage, but there was no evidence to actually indicate that. As we said over his career, countless concussions um which um actually they actually got his brain and gave it to medical science to, to kind of investigate it and look into it and they could see that autopsies revealed that his brain resembled the nature of an 85 year old alzheimer patient because um chris benoit's father um gave you know reluctantly let his brain be examined um just to kind of see because i mean for, i guess for a, for a father you want to you're praying that there's something, something wrong because yeah. you don't want that you don't want this that your son to be capable of doing that so he suffered from this thing called cte on his brain um and other people that suffered from that before was a few american footballers and one of them who started hearing voices he ended up having a police chase and he drove on the wrong side of the road and and passed away in a car crash cool. it shows that this kind of effect on your brain can lead to yeah. um, paranoia extreme paranoia and kind of be very rash with how you behave because there was that case as well it's on netflix the um in the inside the mind of aaron hernandez the american footballer who again had a series of uh, multiple concussions and then went on to uh commit all sorts of horrible crimes including murders um and would eventually take his own life as well so there's some eerie similarities yeah there's such a link between concussions and that's now been 
like luckily, I mean, even in, in football, it is, it's, it's now being taken, head injuries are taken yeah. very seriously. In wrestling now, they, they you know, chair shots aren't a thing. Yeah, well, um, this, this event single-handedly changed the WWE's wellness policy. Um, well, yeah, the wellness policy, which essentially they look into your bloods and to make sure you're not abusing drugs. Apparently, uh, some people refer to it as a joke. You, there's loopholes which were clearly easy for wrestlers to exploit. I mean, Benoit passed a blood test a short time yeah. before this. In that Today Show interview that Vince gave, he stated that um, Benoit had, had taken um, had had a random drugs test, and this was two months before the crime, and he, and it came back negative. Chris Jericho would say what Chris did almost destroyed the business and almost took down the thing he loved the most. And David, his other son from his previous marriage, still very much looks up to his father. He he looks, I mean, it's such a, it's such a he looks exactly like he's Chris definitely Ball, Benoit's son, yeah. which carrying that around with you. And obviously, a constant reminder. Um, he said, you know, he he said, screw the screw them. Talking about the WWE because they deleted his legacy, but also they didn't give him any aftercare. Jr. did go to Nancy's funeral, um, but their family weren't happy to see it, to see him. He they felt like he was just there to you know represent WWE and just to tick a box. Yeah. But David um, and Nancy's sister Sandra have reconnected over the years, and you know they're, they're both helping each other trying to recover from this. It, it, it's it's. Such a sad state of affairs because, because yeah, he 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 went down like if you hear lots and lots of interviews with these wrestlers, they all say how much of a great guy Chris Benoit was, how he was one of the best in the game, and now he's completely been deleted from the history of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, well, another interesting point on Saturday, June the thirtieth, um, it was revealed that Chris Benoit had recently made a life insurance uh, 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 policy and included his ex-wife and two children from the previous marriage. However, he hadn't included Nancy and Daniel. Um, so it was alleged that um, he had. The general theory is that um, Chris had found out Nancy was going to leave him with Daniel, um, and Chris went crazy as a result. So that so, was something I hadn't heard. So that could be an ulterior motive. That's the thing yeah. with, with motive with this from countless interviews, it all seems to point to they have a volatile relationship and it went, you know, with Chris's kind of developing um, mental illness, um, it led to this. But yeah, that could be a clear thing that kind of was the last final straw there. I mean, the immediate aftermath as well, you talked about um, uh, people trying to come to terms with it and the WWE um, deleting all of Chris's, you know, uh, history from their record books um as well as that the uh, jack's pacific toy company immediately pulled all lines of merchandise for chris benoit um including action figures and t-shirts um you can actually still find benoit merchandise on ebay but it's going for some crazy crazy prices including a dvd that's at a 130 dollar mark so with this obviously as we mentioned a lot of people either don't believe what happened was chris was chris or, or they refuse to believe it and a lot of people are fighting for the fact for chris to be welcomed into the hall of fame an alternative um campaign is for nancy benoit to be welcomed into the hall of fame because she was she was huge and she was a monumental in the kind of like developing a role in in wrestling. One of the first like kind of big female characters who kind of really well, wasn't just there to kind of be looked at. She really she revolutionised that kind of manager. Exactly. She she really kind of developed that role and you know she's led the way for for like hundreds of people, hundreds of women in in the wrestling world. And it's a real shame that kind of this when you hear this story. I mean, I had we had it when we were a lot younger. You don't. Didn't really hear a lot about her. It's just all about Chris Benoit, and it's kind of very overshadowed. And, and it would be, I think, it'd be 
the least the WWE could do, especially with how they've treated both families afterwards, would be welcoming Nancy Benoit into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And I remember that's the thing. That's the to go back to these guys and what they put their bodies through and uh, how relentless that schedule is. I remember finding out about Benoit dying, and I wasn't surprised. When you then find out what actually happened, that's when the surprise factor. Well, in. The, a wrestler dying, it's no big shock, is it? Yeah, it's no big shock. Cause a lot I wasn't going to say big deal. <laughs> no big shock. It's not. It's, you hear about it, and it is, sadly, it's a, it's a regular occurrence, and usually it's because years of abuse of, of either drugs or just the body being being put through such things. So David um, still says that Chris is still his hero. His father's still his hero. He still looks up to him, and he's still one of the best wrestlers to ever to perform. Um, Sandra, Nancy's sister, would go on to say, "Everyone deserves forgiveness. Everyone deserves mercy. I think within time there will be a day when I get on my knees and I finally say that I will forgive him. You never know. It might be tomorrow." But I do know it's not today. Which, yeah, I mean, she, yeah, when you see the interviews first, she's she's obviously in bits and like she still blames herself for certain elements. But obviously, it's not; it's completely not her fault. No one was to know what was going to happen. Yeah, I mean, so Chris was nearly forty at the time. Um, he'd obviously had a heck of a career up to that point. Put his body through. Well, you already said the eighty-five-year-old Alzheimer's. I think forty, and he had the brain like that. Yeah. Yeah, and if you see him as well in like his last match, I mean, he is huge. He's absolutely swole or whatever the, the phrase is, but he's achieved everything he wanted to achieve. He's now essentially one of the older dogs. He's peaked at that moment. We talked about WrestleMania 20 yep. with Eddie. He's now in the company essentially to make the young talent coming through look good and, and put them over. Um, so he's essentially in that kind of role. The other things were he could he was feeling a lot of pressure because the rumours were circulating that WWE were about to give him a monster championship push, even this late on in, in his career, which kind of shows how much respect they had for him. Yeah, He was also planning for life uh, after wrestling. He was considering um, opening up his own wrestling school in Atlanta. He already had shirt and logo prototypes developed and made. Um, so he was very much planning for that. And I mean, it just felt it felt like this was a ticking time bomb that was going to, you know, happen at some stage. And like we said, like he wasn't the person that he was before. Um, after all these blows to the head. So the uh, uh, a little bit of aftermath for you. The former physician for Chris Benoit, Dr. Phil Aston, was eventually sentenced to 10 years in prison um, for pleading guilty to 175 counts of distributing prescription drugs illegally and conspiring to distribute gl- uh, drugs. Um, a- Aston um, ended up getting a plea deal with the prosecution and initially... Cl- declared himself not guilty but he would end up facing double that time and doing a 20 year uh, sentence and one million dollar fine on each of the 175 counts um, and this was the doctor's office that Benoit actually had his photo taken in that that final day so we like to do a little bit of trivia on these cases a little bit of kind of interesting little facts about um about the cases um, I didn't know this before doing the research was that um, he was actually considered to play a part, the part of Wolverine in X-Men um, one wow. of the, I mean one of his uh, names in wrestling was the uh, rabid the Wolverine, rabid Wolverine um, and he would have been pitted against Sabretooth who was another wrestler uh, called Tyler Main so he would have he, I, like you said he, he didn't have charisma yeah I was uh, a charisma fiend I was so he wouldn't I don't in terms think, of who I liked I don't think uh him acting would have been the best thing in the world a clip of Bret Hart applying his sharpshooter finisher hold on Benoit appears in the opening credit sequence of Malcolm in the Middle 
Yes, it does. Uh, well, on July 27th, 2012, the rap group Insane Clown Posse released a song called Chris Benoit. Um, the song and video, however, are not about Benoit himself, but about a man's breakdown that is very similar to Benoit's. The song and music video do include stock footage and a recording of Chris Benoit before his death. A remix with rappers Ice Cube and Scarface was later released, with Ice Cube's verse being entirely about Benoit. So it's called Chris Benoit. It's about person. <laughs> in the video, it has Chris Benoit in. It's got, no, well, actually, it's not about Chris Benoit. Well, that is... Okay. Yeah. Insane clown posse. If that's if that's your story. And we we talked earlier. I mean, you made a little bit of a. Uh, you, you said his name was awful. Biff Wellington, Chris Benoit's first ever uh, tag team partner. Now this is interesting. Coincidentally, Wellington had a heart attack, and his body was found on the same day that Chris Benoit's body was found. Oh yeah. I don't like the fact you said that I made a joke about him and then you revealed that because I, did, I didn't know that bit, but yeah. it still is a terrible name. I stand by that. Yeah. Um, and then the only other thing was the Wikipedia controversy. So basically, the night that Chris Benoit had no show to the pay-per-view uh, Vengeance, um, there was a, uh, an online forum like chat rooms and there was speculation in there that, that he wasn't there because Nancy had passed away. And that was just literal speculation at the time. So someone had saw that and updated on Benoit's Wikipedia page that didn't attend Vengeance due to Nancy Benoit passing away. The thing about that is that could be something as simple as people knowing how Chris was yeah. and he wouldn't, there'd have to be have to be a death or something for him not well, in order it. not to, yeah. to go. So to go back to that phone call to Chavo Guerrero where he's like, Chavo, I love you. First of all, completely out of character for him to say anything like that. But secondly, out of character for him to ever be late or no show an event. He was fixated, um, you know, on being a professional um, so they basically, there was a bunch of people in this chat room that then updated Wikipedia and rumors started to kind of snowball. Yeah. Um, and then when it came out, you know, the, the following day that actually mm. this had happened, it was this guy, This and it's a kid, it's like a, a 17, 18 year old kid. He's brought in by police. Like, how, how did you know? And there's interrogation footage of there, but he literally just, he was, you know, goofing around, updating Wikipedia pages and uh, just a, a, a wicked coincidence that that kind of lined up. The big case of one of the what ifs for this was he did actually reach out on that night that he killed um, Nancy to Bob Holly. He rang him up and invited him over that night. He went on to kill his wife and Bob Holly turned, turned him down, which left Chris very offended and upset. I mean, it's one of those where I'm sure Bob Holly looks at it now and he doesn't know you know, he, he, I imagine he feels a lot of guilt there, but we're not to know if that would have had, you know, any effect on anything that would have, would have gone on to happen. So that was the case of Chris Benoit and the Benoit family murders. We, we hope you enjoyed that one. We know it was slightly different to our kind of, uh, uh, well, we don't really have a norm, but slightly different by our standards. Um, and if you are a wrestling fan and we got anything wrong or there were terminology that we didn't quite use right um, and you scored better than Tom in the pop quiz, then, you know, apologies there. You can't score better than perfect. Dude Perfect. Dude Perfect. Mm. That would be your wrestling name. Or oh, is it Mr. Perfect? Mr. Perfect, yeah. Dude Perfect. Dude Love. Yeah. Dude yeah. Perfect. I, thought I, I thought I nailed that. I thought I had a smug little smile there and I got it wrong. So if you enjoyed the episode, please don't forget to give us a like and a subscribe. Give us a review on any of the audio platforms as well. And if you fancy supporting us just that little bit more, we would love it if you checked out our Patreon page. Give us your money. <laughs> and if you want to, if you don't want to just get, you don't want to get a, 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 a virtual thing, you want to get a physical thing, mm. something you can really hold and grasp, why not go to our store? Hold and grasp. Benoit. What?
Well, I mean, everyone holds and grasps things, Ben. That's like knife and fork. People are holding grasp that. If you want to have something you can hold and grasp, I'll say it again, go to our store and pick up a lovely purchase. Yeah. Um, and if you could, uh, if you could tell all of your friends about us, all of them, and I mean even the ones that you're not too oh, sure about. I haven't got any friends. Then uh, we'd really appreciate it. You know, it really helps support us. And, um, you know, we really appreciate you guys checking us out. And as we always say, guys. We always say this. Keep doing what you're doing. Unless it's uh, taking too many bumps. To the head, yeah. To the head and the wrestling. And going on to commit horrible crimes. Evil. Thank you, guys. Until See next. you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs> right, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> That's good. You've been listening to I Could Murder a Podcast, written and presented by Tom Norris and Ben Carter. Additional voiceover by Tom Turner. Additional research by Danielle St. Romain. Produced and mixed by Dan Lambert of Boston Sound. Artwork and animation by Phil Witten. Theme song by Alfie Indra. If you've enjoyed this episode, please remember to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Just search at Pod. For additional exclusive content, please check out our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash couldmurderapod and make sure to tell all of your friends. Selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Toyota Thon is on, so stop in and get a great deal on a rugged new Tacoma or Tundra, ready to tackle the toughest weather. Find out more at buyatoyota.com. Hurry, Toyota Thon ends January 2nd. Toyota, let's go places. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
I Could Murder a Podcast is proudly part of the Acast Creator Network. For hundreds of extra minisodes and other content, along with our private Discord server and live Q&As, exclusive merch and much more, consider subscribing to icmap.co.uk.